welcome once again to the Irish in Sweden podcast, my friends. It is Monday morning. No, it's not Monday morning, but I recorded, but it's Monday morning when this is coming out. And uh, it's been another very busy week for the Irish community here in Sweden, and particularly in Stockholm, there's all sorts of stuff going on around the place. I hope you're well. I hope you're starting to look forward to the Christmas. We've got through the Halloween now, and the various different parties and things that were taking place there. And now we're on to Christmas party season. So don't forget that the Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden is having its big do, uh, its big gala dinner on the 2nd of December. And then the Swedish Irish Society is having two Christmas dinners this year in Stockholm and in Malmö on the 9th. December. Go to SwedishIrish.com you'll find the details of them. And uh, I think the Stockholm Games Christmas Party is coincidentally also on the 9th. They have their AGM this week. There's going to be lots going on there as well. I hope you're well. My name is Philip O'Connor. If this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, you're very welcome. It's done every week. Usually comes out at 7 o'clock in the morning for when Kevin Carroll is getting into his van with a cup of coffee and he's frozen and he sticks this on. He does have a listen to it. And should we talk to all manner of people? Uh, this week, there's a lot to get through, lads, right? So we're going to uh, sort of go through, not as quickly as we can. Let's take our time, right? Because it's a long week, and uh, if you have to listen to it in two sittings, that's fine by me. Or you can take an extended walk with the dog, or you can do a little bit extra on the treadmill in the gym. I don't mind, but uh, enjoy the content as you see fit, right? Uh, last week, I got uh, an invitation uh, to the ambassador's restaurant. Uh, the, the ambassador's restaurant, she doesn't have a restaurant, she's a diplomat. Uh, the ambassador's residence is what I meant to say there. And uh, the reason for that was that there was a brilliant Irish writer called Dern who was over here in Stockholm uh, to celebrate the publication of a Swedish language translation of her magnificent book, A Ghost in the Throat, Et Spöke Istrupan. It has been translated, and we had a lovely evening at the Irish Embassy uh, residence here. Or the ambassador lives here in Sweden in Stockholm and we had readings from the book and didn't read from it she read from uh, the poem Oskarjega which uh, inspired the book and uh, we also had Hanela from the embassy who read from the Swedish translation of the book so it was a magnificent evening altogether and one of the really lovely things about it is that um, you know it's brilliant that the the Irish ambassador and that the Irish diplomats here sort of invite us in to the embassy I know the Stockholm girls are going to use the embassy now for their AGM I think on Thursday but the residence in particular I think is quite special because you know that's the ambassador inviting you into her home to celebrate Irish culture and there wasn't a whole lot of uh, people there there's maybe 20-25 people but the publisher would have been there and Dylan was there and various members of Spuds and Sill were there and we had a whole bunch of Erasmus students who were over here studying English literature so that was fascinating as well so just in the course of the evening I grabbed Dylan after the reading for a quick chat and I'm just going to bring that to you now so that you know a little bit more about what the book is about what inspired it and how you can get your hands on it so um, here's Dylan Egrifa and there's much more much more to come so we'll be back in a few minutes when we've done we're done hearing from one of Ireland's finest writers currently look I am 11 a girl who is terrible at sums and at sports a girl given to staring out windows a girl whose only real gift lies in daydreaming the teacher snaps my name startling me back to the flimsy prefab Her voice makes it a fine day in 1773 and sets English soldiers crouching in ambush. I add ditchwater to drench their knees. Their muskets point towards a young man who is tumbling from his saddle now in slow, slow motion. A woman rides in to kneel over him 
her voice rising in an antique formula of breath and syllable the teacher calls a queen, a keen to lament the dead. Her voice generates an echo strong enough to reach a girl in the distance with dark hair and bitten nails. Me. Darren, we've just heard a reading. I recorded a little bit of the reading that you made of your book, right? This is one of the more interesting readings I've ever been to because it was in Irish, it was in English, it was in Swedish. But what I really want to know is, how did it feel for you to stand there and listen to Hanla speak the words that you wrote in Swedish in front of a room here in Stockholm? Really exciting. Really, really exciting. I mean, it's such a buzz always as an Irish writer to hear your words translated. But particularly for me with this book, the fact that um, so much of it is based on Queen Arthi Lyra, um, that very celebrated poem in our literary canon by Eileen Dovni Connell, that hearing her words in Swedish is even more exciting to me than hearing my own words translated into Swedish. So, yeah, it's a buzz. What is it about that poem that originally sort of led you down this path that has led to this book, The Ghost in the Throat, and these various different translations that are coming out around the world now? I think it's the power of Eileen Dove's voice. Like, she spoke that poem over the body of her murdered husband. She was so distressed and so moved by that moment that she scooped up handfuls of his blood, drank it, and then spoke this poem over his body. It is such a powerful work of literature. We're so fortunate that it survived to find its way to us over the centuries. Um, I don't know how anyone couldn't be. (laughs) I don't know how anyone could help being moved by that. Um, And so it it became over quite lonely years for me of early motherhood. It became almost like an anchor to me it became really important it was something I really clung to and the more time I spent with the poem the more I wanted to know about Eileen Dove's life and I suppose that's the adventure that's documented in A Ghost in the Throat is how much can I find out about her and how and how is it going to change me It's it's amazing to just there's so many other questions that come up when I hear you speak about this poem and haven't heard you read from it um, what do you expect readers of the Swedish version to get out of it because we come at it from a certain cultural context obviously mm-hmm. as you mentioned maybe learning it in school or hearing about it through you know Beolidish and these things being handed down Swedish people have their own version of that but they wouldn't be familiar with this story do you, how do you expect them to react to it on what level do you think they'll react to it it's a great question I mean I think that at a human level as a work of literature it's so powerful that it speaks to anyone no matter what part of the globe they're coming from no matter what cultural background they're coming from I really feel that it is powerful enough in itself to speak to anyone Um, and what we have found since it was published and we've been very fortunate with this book it's been published in several languages now is often it brings people to Ireland like I've heard from several people that have done a little tour of different areas that are documented in the book, Derry Nan, Kilcray, that they're doing a little tour of Cork and Kerry based on a ghost in the throat. So, so. you and Derry girls are keeping the country afloat. <laughs> so maybe it'll bring a few Swedish visitors around. Who knows? We live at hope. The, the crown is very bad against the euro now, but we'll pack them off over there. Anyway. <laughs> um, is this 
the beginning of something new or is this the end of your sort of active relationship with Eileen and bringing this story and this poem and this history to as many languages as possible can you just let it float out in the world now as you had to do when Hanala was speaking here no I think she's still with me I think she's still with me and I think the gift of these translations like this brilliant new translation into Swedish is that it carries her words to new readers in new places all the time and that just means that the poem keeps opening in its depth to me further and further and drawing me further along with it and I mean I feel we're still on an adventure together me and Eileen you're still finding new things in it I mean yeah and I don't know where it's going to lead us next like she's leading me along I'm leading her along we don't know where we're going (laughs) who's in charge here no one knows Um, but it just keeps leading to further adventures I mean I didn't ever think I'd be lucky enough to be sitting here with you tonight in Stockholm and here I am and it's all because of Eileen Dovney Connell that I'm here. And do you see more of that in your future now? Does this open up more opportunities for you to tell her story and to tell your stories to people in communities like this? I hope so. I feel really fortunate that I get to tell the story of this kind of strange quest that I went on and that I get to talk to people about how extraordinary Eileen Dovney Connell was and what what a jewel this is of the Irish literary tradition Um, and people seem really open to that and they accept her into um, their own lives they read the book and it's just amazing it's mind-blowing to me that so many readers are interested in this story and that it means I get to keep talking about how much I love this poem and love Eileen Dovney Connell. You have another appointment very shortly where you have to talk about that love of Eileen Dovney Connell but for now Dylan thanks so much for talking to me. Thanks a million it was lovely to meet you. There you go. That was Dylan Negriefa there and such a fantastic person to, to talk so passionately about the book and about the poem that inspired it and everything. That was just magnificent. I believe she was out with uh, Greg and the gang out there in Uppsala then the following night and uh, then she was down in Gothenburg. But I uh, haven't heard anything from anybody down there, which is kind of unusual. Usually you'd see a picture pop up on Instagram or Facebook or something like that, but I haven't uh, heard or seen anything like that. So I'm really hoping that it went well. Uh, so if you know anybody into literature and into books and that kind of thing, get it on the Christmas shopping, lads. Because in one way, it's kind of important as well for the publisher that um, that we go out and we buy this now, or that we see we we try to encourage Swedish readers to buy this because you know they, there's a lot of expense involved in producing a book. Uh, and publishing it and, and translating it and that kind of thing so it would be nice for them to see a sort of return on the effort that they have put into to the book for Darren and indeed you know just to spread, spread a great work of literature to everybody else listen lads it is time for an old business shout out uh, I was talking to him a few weeks ago you would have heard him on the podcast talking about fitness and diet and food and all sorts of stuff uh, my good friend Aaron Kennedy I went through his 28 day reset program and I dropped about 5 kilos 5.1 not that anybody's counting uh, but he sent me a little voice message during the week because there's something that he wants you to know about and sure here it is all right how's it going everyone so i've got a breathwork for performance workshop on saturday the 18th of november now if you've never had a breathwork experience before just think it's an active way to attain the same results that meditation provides without sitting there and just meditating It's great for decreasing stress, improving focus, improving sleep, and also getting rid of any unwanted anxiety. So if you're interested, just grab me on Instagram, Aaron Kennedy Performance, uh, if you'd like any more details on that. See you later. 
Thank you very much indeed to the wonderful Aaron Kennedy. Uh, the, the lad is great crack as well. Apart from all the wonderful things that he knows about fitness and training and being a PT and fighting and MMA and all the other things that we've spoken about on this podcast a couple of times, uh, he's a fantastically knowledgeable individual and he's somebody that you can really talk to about your health and your well-being and that. And interestingly, over the last few years, if you listen to the conversation we had a few years back, uh, maybe a year, year and a half ago, he talked about how he got off social media and... And, you know, he talks a lot more now about sort of, you know, not just physical well-being, but also mental well-being. And I think this breathwork thing that he's doing is a major, major part of that, uh, especially when it comes to things like anxiety. So test it out. Uh, get in touch with him there. At Aaron Kennedy Performance is the, the Instagram account. Aaron Kennedy Performance. Dig him up. Sign up for that one. And you never know what you might learn. Right, lads. It is time for an old set-piece interview. Um, Brigitte Curtin is somebody that many of you will know if you've been here for a long time. Because she is the opposite of us, right? Brigitte, born and raised here in Sweden, uh, left school and decided she was going to make the opposite journey to what many of us made, and she went over to Ireland. I bumped into her many years ago uh, at an event that was organised by Tourism Ireland, and I've known her ever since. And the interesting thing about Brigitte is she runs a smokehouse, right? So she learned, uh, you know, how to smoke salmon and fish and all sorts of other things, and then went over and uh, now lives in in the Burren in County Clare and does all these things for a living. Married to an Irish man and that, but she's over and back an awful lot. And what I love about her is that she's just a brilliant ambassador for Ireland in the same way as we try to be ambassadors for Ireland here. Uh, Brigitte is a brilliant ambassador for Ireland abroad and indeed she's often asked by the likes of Tourism Ireland and by Board Bia and Falter Ireland and all these people to travel around the world and to represent Ireland as somebody with a sort of a bit of an outside perspective that she often goes and does this. So I saw that she was in town at exactly one of these kinds of events. Uh, I think it popped up on Facebook or Instagram or something like that and I messaged her and I said right if you have time come on over to the studio and remarkably she did so I was delighted to get her down there and to, to get her into the studio get her in front of the microphone because she's lived an absolutely fascinating life over there and she has some fascinating insight into you know the, the, the bridges that have been built between Ireland and Sweden so um, I, if you haven't made a cup of coffee take a minute for yourself now or stick the tea bag in the cup there get the kettle on there and uh, have a listen to this because I, I, you know if you enjoy this chat as much as I did having it with her it was just it was brilliant fun altogether with somebody that I really really appreciate and really really respect so here she is Brigitte Hedin Curtin to give her her full name talking about the Burren Smokehouse and how she wound up in County Clare all those years ago I always leave of a Thursday night with me tent in my ground she's rolled up tight I like to hit the stone in her own Friday afternoon this gives me time to get my gear together I don't need to worry about the weather ramble in for a pint of stout because you never know who'd be hanging about there's a Dutchman playing a mandolin and a German looking for Lee Mogo Flynn and there's Adam Bono and Gareth Fitzgerald getting their photo taken for the Sunday world. Finbar, Charlie and Jim Hand and they're drinking pints to bait the band and the grand. Oh, listen Brigitte Curtin, it is an honour at long last to have you in the Irish and Sweden podcast studio. We were just saying there when you came in the door, it was a Tourism Ireland event about 10 or 15 years ago, I think when we first met, because you were over here, a Swedish woman selling Irish salmon back to your native country. Can we go back to the beginning of your story and how you wound up in Listun Varna in the salmon business? Well, now, <laughs> it's a bit of a story. Well, when so, you put it like okay, that. Okay, we're going back to me being 18 and wanting to travel into the world. So I wanted to see the Celtic nations. Lovely. And I travelled extremely sustainably with a ferry from Gothenburg to Newcastle when that existed. Oh my God, yeah. 
um, hung around, this is 1981, hung around in Scotland for a month because I wanted to do the Celtic country. So Scotland was part of that, went down to Wales, not as long, I think a couple of weeks maybe because there was some, um, yeah, some place we wanted to visit, myself and my friend Eva. We were, um, what do you call it? In crime. <laughs> you were doing what? You were all no, no, partners no, 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 in crime. No, we were traveling. We, we were backpacking together and hitching around the So I, I think it was partners in crime. You partners in crime. Yes, Jesus, I thought you, you were admitting partners. to something here no, no, that we no, have no, to have no, you arrested no. for. Partners in crime. So anyway, so we went, I was actually at the time, so you're talking about 1981, and I decided I wanted to pass through Northern Ireland because, I don't know, I mean, there was a lot of um, kind of, I suppose, political information over in, in, in Sweden. I was kind of slightly curious. Anyway, we mm. passed through, went to Donegal, and uh, in Donegal we went some, met some Swedish people, and we said, oh, this is kind of August, something like that, at the beginning of August, and we said, we're looking for some traditional music. We had found, we were there for a week in Donegal, we had found some some music, and they said, well, actually, what you should do, you should go down to Listenvarna, because there used to be this Listenvarna, a music festival, folk festival. So we went to Listenvarna, only to find out that had been. So actually, it was Doolin we should head to, uh, and particularly O'Connor's Bob. So anyway, we got a lift from Listenvarna, and the person was a musician, American musician. And he said, yeah, I'll bring you, I'll bring you to Doolin, but actually I have, a, I have to play a tune uh, in this little pub called the Roadside Tavern for another American, but you can come with me. Walked in the door. Offered, uh, and he said, oh, um, would you like something to drink? And we said, uh, no, 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 you know, we're getting a lift with you. Why, why would we? And they said, uh, we'll have something. Okay, okay, we'll have, we'll have a glass of Guinness. And my husband-to-be, Peter Carton, decided that, what are you talking about, glasses of Guinness? So he came out with two pints of Guinness. And was like, ha, 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 I'm going to, how are we going to drink this? So, you know. The size of that thing, like, yeah. So that was all. Went out to Doolin. Pitched the tent, went inside to O'Connor's pub when O'Connor's pub was O'Connor's pub and mm. Gus and Donald O'Connor were running it. And you come inside and there's the little shop on the right hand side and there's a kind of a doorway. So you walk in through to the doorway. This is evening time. The music is flowing. There's people all over the place. Mm. And my friend Eva just goes in a little bit ahead of me and I just walked inside the door and I hear this voice on the right hand side and there's a hello. So I look over. And there's that man, Peter, that was in that pub called the Roadside Tavern. And he said, um, would you like a drink? So I was like, kind of, will I go forward, will I go back? And I said, like, okay. So that was the sliding door moment, you know. If you had said no to Peter at that time, or if you had to come back. Something else would have happened. That's it. There'd be no, no salmon knows? coming from the burn. Anyway, I woke up in the morning in my tent and I said, I have to go into the Roadside Tavern. And then I stayed a little longer, you know. Maybe, you know, kind of three, four weeks in uh, North Clare in kind of listening to one Doolin area mm. and really enjoyed it. And it was, you know, music, people. And that time you have people from literally all over the world, young people like ourselves, mm. 1820s. And the music was amazing. Christy Barry, Tony O'Leary, you know, a whole, um, what's his name? Um Owen O'Neill, yeah. you know, uh, Kevin, Kevin, uh, the banjo. Uh, anyway, whole whole heap of people. Yeah. Sharon Shannon, 
probably hadn't come around quite Sharon yet. Shannon was about nine years old yeah, at that point. Yeah, 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 yeah. So anyway, so, so, but it was like, oh my God, it was amazing times, really amazing. So we had to go on traveling. So we kind of did the France and Greece and Egypt and Israel and came back home to Sweden. And then I said, I think I'm going back to Listenvarna. Mm. Came in the door inside the roadside tavern. Peter was just rolling the barrel to be tapped, which back in the day, back in them days, you know, that's what you did. You kind of rolled it through and there was there was a chilling unit where yeah. it sat on. Slightly different these days, but anyway. And he's like, he looked at me and said, I knew you would come back. <laughs> cancer, <laughs> he, cancer. He made that impression on you and you haven't left since. Did he, ex- when he says you knew, did he really expect this beautiful <laughs> Swedish girl who'd wandered off, travelled the world, and then you come back to this little corner of the burden, you know. Anyway, that's what happened. That, that, and that, here we are. And, here we are. And that's the story he's telling. He's accepting 42 no... 42 years later. 42 years. How Jesus, d- and I've experienced so much. Little did I know when I walked inside that door in 1981, I think end of August, something like that, or mid-August, hmm. that in 2019, I was going to open my doors for the King and Queen of Sweden. Unbelievable. I was just, I mean, how could I ever have imagined <laughs> that this is or all the experiences I had, all the tra- travel I have done yeah. with the Burn Smokehouse, selling salmon, selling experiences. Mm. It's been amazing times, mm. some hard times. You know, it's not easy to be running a, you know, building a business. And mm. sometimes it's been absolutely wonderful. Other times it's been really, really tough. It's been very tough, yeah. How did you get into the salmon business? Because this always fascinated me about you, because in Sweden you have this, you know, curing salmon in different ways. Smoking in particular is very popular. But there, smoked salmon is just smoked salmon. You know, it's just the one way of doing it. But you come with a wealth of, of different knowledge. You come with a different culture behind you. Was it easy for you to get started in that business? Well, actually, the whole idea came from where I came from. So I grew up on a, on a farm outside Nyköping called mm-hmm. Kärboda, a beautiful farm that my father had inherited from his father and his father, so his grandfather. Mm-hmm. And I grew up and we fished and we foraged and we... My father was a huntsman, so mm. we, I, like our son So you would, have been, you would have been picking the mushrooms and the cantarella and the berries. and, you know, blueberry, lingonberry... Uh, we had, like, for Sunday dinner would be moose, roe deer, pheasant, ducks of all kinds. So we, we really completely self-sufficient. And we fished. And I loved the fishing with my father. I yeah. adored my father. He was actually a member of parliament. He, you know, first inherited the farm, was a farmer. And then he became a politician and mm. a member of parliament for mm. the conservative Hogan. Yeah. Um, and anyway, so as but I just adored him, and we fished together, and we fished for eel mm. and uh, some pike and perch in the Baltic Sea, Morsviken, yeah. and we got that eel smoked from the professional fisherman that smoked once a week, Sven Pettersson from Hummelvik, used to smoke our eel that See? we would have for all our smorgasbord, Christmas, New Year, Easter, Midsummer, <laughs> not to be forgotten about, along. With the smoked herring, we didn't fish for the herring, but we smoked, we, we fished for the eel, and that had to be on smorgasbord, you know, kind of the starter, and then you had, you know, dinner after that, but yeah. the starter was like walking around, and like a buffet, yeah, you know, yeah. smorgasbord, real, like, the real stuff. Pick them what you like, and oh, off you go. Yes, and the and eel was it. always part of that. The eel was always part of that, so kind of, I then, you know, okay, 
we'll go back to or we move forward from my childhood of growing mm. up with this and learning how to prepare and how to uh, preserve food of all kinds, mm. uh, which I kind of I didn't even know that I was learning it yeah. because we lived it. Yeah. You know, we even had we have we even had a little uh, milk powder and we got our raw milk and I'm still alive. I remember we used to have the milk in this kind of. A metal bowl and you kind of skim off the cream and you can see the blueness of the milk underneath. It's a very special moment, you know, yeah. but a huge amount of memories from my childhood, being in nature and so on. But anyway, so I actually, you know, I came back to Ireland and then I said, okay, maybe I should go back and do a bit of university studies. Mm. So I did marine biology. And, of course, Lund would be the closest to <laughs> Ireland because all I could think about was how I was going to get back to Ireland. And I did, I actually did apply to get into Dublin and I got in. But, you know, back in the day, Ireland or Sweden wasn't in, in the EU. Yeah. So I would have to pay quite large uh, fees. So I said, ah, OK, I'll do it in Sweden. So which I'm very happy to do yeah. in Lund, a very classic university. And fabulous. So I studied a kind of a basic degree in, in um, science and then added on marine biology and marine botany and uh, did some marine botany in Galway. So it's a great way of getting over to Ireland. Yeah. And I also enjoyed the whole, like for me, the sea, I love it. You know, I just love being in the Baltic. And then when I came to Ireland and saw the Atlantic and tasted that salinity of the Atlantic. It was like, whoa, this mm. is amazing. But the marine biology, I, at the time, you're talking about 83, 84, 85. So aquaculture was big and, and mussel farming was quite big here in Sweden. They were looking a lot at it on the west coast of uh, Sweden. Yeah. So when I went, we kind of were thinking about, do, we're thinking with the idea that we knew there was one spot in Bell Harbour uh, that we could have had a mussel farm. And they said, nah, we won't do that. And basically the whole idea was like, OK, it's easier for me to move to Ireland. I really enjoyed Ireland. I really enjoyed the culture in Ireland mm. as an outsider. You know, you spoke beauty. the language already. And you this know, kind of thing, yeah? and the, the beauty of the nature, like the barren, the beaches, the, you know, there's such incredible richness mm. and which is still there all the time yeah you know incredible nature the salinity of the sea and so on so it was for me it wasn't very difficult to move over and i suppose i fall, fell in love with peter but i also fell in love with an area mm. and a culture you know and music and all that was kind of part of it so it was like okay so what do we do in listenvana you know marine biology ah maybe they don't need so many marine marine biologists in Istvana, <laughs> so we have to do something and the pub was there so peter came from you know the roadside inn yeah, yeah yeah so his third generation cut in in the roadside tavern tavern yeah, yeah. but his mom and dad were basically his mother uh god rest her uh mary Curtin was running the pub so we kind of wanted something of our own and then hey the smokehouse came about and we traveled around in in Sweden and looked at smokehouses in Sweden and we traveled around in Ireland and looked at smokers in Ireland and kind of looked at different smoking techniques. So we went to, you know, Hummelvik, of course, mm. but we also went to some bigger smokehouses in Sweden and the same thing in Ireland. So that's kind of then we said, OK, this is what we want to do. We want to do a feasibility study, uh, went to Shun Development and they supported us to build the smokehouse. Yeah. And 1999, when we got married in Sweden, uh, had 30 
Irish people over for the wedding, including Sean Tyrrell, musician, Michael Russell, no, sorry, Mike, no, sorry, not Michael Russell, um, Michelin Conlon and Shane Holden, God rest them all, unfortunately. But it was an amazing party. So we had this party in my home place in uh, Charbuda. Yeah. Got married in Tunabari, this beautiful little wooden church from 1600 and whatever. And then we went back and opened the door for the smokehouse. And that is 34, soon 35 years ago. And then we kind of, you know, husband and wife team and we added on as secretary and Mm. then, you know, to do the accounts and then we, a few more. So now we have 27 people working with us. We have a very thriving um, sales private customer list. About 10,000 people are our customers that buy salmon and they come from Ireland and all over the world. So we have French people, we have German people, Mm. American people and so on and so forth. And food tourism was actually what we decided to do from the very beginning. We wanted to have an artisan smokehouse use Irish ingredients so mm. we use the uh, Irish organic salmon which is world class whatever wild salmon I can get hold of that is sustainably fished yeah um I use but that's kind of it and then trout and mackerel from uh, Kilbegs and eel from Loch Ney now and maybe another fish from Loch Ney that I'm looking at so all that we now also uh, from the very beginning but also now we give an experience people can come to us learn to know why you smoke what we smoke and taste something that is produced in this amazing area called the barns you travel through this wonderful landscape and then you taste something from that is produced in a sustainable way in that landscape and that's kind of what we were about from the beginning and that is what we still are about. And we've kind of expanded in that. Mm. So it's, that it and that's what I was doing here, actually, with Tourism Ireland. I was selling experiences, yeah. which is our new growth area. Yeah, We always had them, but we kind of tweaked them to a bit more, you know, a bit of a range. It's not only, okay, you walk in and you learn about how we smoke and uh, taste how we, what, what we have smoked, a little bit of cold smoked salmon and hot smoked salmon, but also... We have expanded that experience and yeah. included Peter's uh, brewery up in the microbrewery up in the roadside and the whole story about his family and his life yeah. and my life and our life together. So there's kind of, you can taste two small scale production uh, things so you can taste the salmon. Mm. And you can taste the beer, the yeah. microbrew beer in the roadside tavern, which is, third, you know, 150 years in family. So it's quite a unique yeah. experience. I was thinking it must be very visceral because it's one thing seeing things and hearing things and smell, but taste is something different entirely. Do you find that when your guests come or your visitors come, that the moment you put that uh, craft beer or that smoked salmon that you've smoked, because it is something different, isn't it? I think that you, when you start to taste it, you understand there's a different form of understanding that is your whole body, mm. you know, not only intellectually, yeah. but actually through taste. You know, you understand, aha, okay, I understand now. Yeah. And when we talk about we only buy 
100% Irish organic salmon because it's the best of salmon I can get hold of. So you would and never open a farm anywhere or anything like that? No, no, you no, no, no. So, so, so this is salmon that has been uh, swimming in grade A waters, like the incredibly cleanliness of the west coast of Ireland mm. that is still there. Ireland was never industrialized. That caused issues with econom- uh, economy mm. back in the day. Yeah. But that is actually now something that is very valuable. Yeah. That the soils and the water is relatively free of, you know, it, it's the cleanest you can get hold of. Yeah. And it's not always perfect, but it is, there's no, you know, if you compare with other parts of our, of, of the whole world, yeah. there are places that are extremely polluted. Yeah. You so couldn't do we, this we, kind of thing you in know, other places, like, yeah. And, and that's what we're also talking about. And that's kind of... You know, we, we, we live on the west coast of Ireland. We, our children grew up on the west coast of Ireland. The rural areas of the west coast of Ireland, it isn't easy to make a living. No. But if because of food production, because of tourism, and because we could do that back in the day, like um, 35 years ago, because we had cliffs and moher beside us. Yeah. If we did not have that... That passing trade from Galway to Cliffs of Moher to go Limericks or to Kerry or from Kerry to, you know, coming from South Kerry to, to Cliffs of Moher to Galway. We could not do the kind of food tourism that we're doing now. Yeah. And if we were like, if we were living, if we started a smokehouse in the middle of Ireland, hmm. people would not have traveled. Not to just for that. Just, you know, yeah. certainly not back in the yeah. 89, 90s. Well, However, maybe now, yeah. maybe, but... Not to the volume of, like we have, we have probably, we're kind of back up, you know, of course, COVID and all that, but we're probably back up to 35, 40,000 visitors because we're open all year round. So it's not like thronged with people in any way, but yeah. it, it just that it's spread out all over the year. Our yeah. tourist season have extended. People are coming earlier and later. Mm. It is, you know, August and July is more hectic in the area, of course. Yeah. But there's a lot of people that come in September, October, particularly this year. I found, you know, a huge amount of people coming, you know, even October and Mm. even in November. You know, I've had visits. We're still open. People come to visit us. And very interesting people, a few journalists, a few, you know, media, people with special interests. They'll turn up. So it's great. You know, right now... You know, Ireland has bounced back definitely after um, COVID and we have enough of, you know, French and German and Spanish and Italian. They all love the salmon and then the Americans helps a lot, Yeah, you know, and Irish, Irish people traveling within their own country. Like I do travel within Ireland that I see as my country as well as Sweden. Of course, yeah. But, you know, there's so much to see. And to learn about, and it's Ireland is a safe place. Yeah, that is worth an awful lot. Yeah, you can go there as a tourist. You you're not there, that worried. You can speak yeah, English. You don't have to be worried. Mm. You have safety. You have incredibly beautiful west coast of Ireland yeah. and the whole of Ireland, of course. But you know, I I must. I'm very biased. <laughs> yeah, I'm very exactly. biased because I think 
the west coast of Ireland, and of course, Clare, Clare, Clare. It's not just the west coast. Can't, can't help myself. I can't help myself. Jesus, Orange Sheedy, be loving this. There's a load of Clare people over here who be loving <laughs> listening to you. You mentioned as well, um, if you were to sort of break the business down, now, no secrets, right? I don't want tourism Ireland or Enterprise Ireland or Board B giving out to be here. How much of your business is based on that tourist experience, that tasting the things where you are? How much is based on sales of products that are going all over the world? Because it's quite a diverse business. So hopefully that, you know, leaves it you a little helps. bit. Yeah, it that's helps. what I'm thinking like. And you particularly know? during COVID, it's yeah. not the fact that we had different strands to our business. Yeah. So for the moment, you can say a third of our business is wholesale. Yeah. That's kind of done stores, daily, you know, which is great. You know, we, we supply simply better. So it means that people in Dublin can buy our salmon on a weekly basis. Brilliant. Like they wouldn't get it shipped you yeah. know, on a weekly basis for, you know, like a couple of packets or whatever. Yeah. And they might and they might not buy it on a daily basis. They might, you know, on a weekly basis. They might sell it for special occasions or yeah. whatever. Anyway, they can get it in done stores or all the independents like, you know, Fallon and Byrne, uh, Donnybrook Fair, Avoca, these classic, you know, yeah. um, independent stores that have a range of really good yeah. products. So slightly higher end kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah but mm, yeah. Yes. But but not by no means, you no, know, we're not, not talking about of, Schnobby kind of thing. No, no, yeah. it's not quite Fort Mason. But, know, but that strikes parrots, me. Yeah, no, but, but anyway, so a third, coming back to that, yeah. a third wholesale. And we also sell into the likes of Ashford Castle yeah. to the for their uh, restaurants. So Ashford Castle, Dramolan Castle, Marion Hotel. Wow. And some people, you know, small cafes that just want to make sure that they have 100% Irish artisan products. They yeah. care about what they sell. Then we have another third is the uh, tourism. Yeah. You know, what we get, people coming into the visitor center, buying products, buying experiences. And then a third, another third is our mail order business. Yeah. Which we then ship all over the world. We're FDA approved, can send to USA, Canada. Brilliant. A lot of in Ireland. Mm. And during COVID, the Irish community realized our customer service, our... Um, large range of products that mm. you could get from us and from other producers in the borough. So we do Sanctola Gold's cheese, we do the cheese from the amazing cheese as well from Alwy Caves yeah. in gold. We do other products from small producers around us. Yeah. So it's not only about us. And the the rising tide lifts all boats kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. and it's like we had three sets of burn baskets. They flew out the door. We Did didn't it? know whether it was going to work or nothing, but it was just it it, it just hit the right tone yeah it was a combination of products and we were supporting our neighbors and you know it, we thought okay we'll send a few we kind of covid hit and easter came sanctola like they, they are so dependent on they at the time i think maybe they changed things but they were very dependent on uh, the cheese that only have a certain shelf life yeah that was going to mainly food service and some retail they could they can't kind of freeze it, you know, yeah. and, and they can't. And they had suddenly it was Easter. Yeah. COVID had just hit. Where were we going to sell it? So I said, come on, I'll, I'll we'll sell some through our baskets. And they started selling themselves out of their own doors. And you, you just have to twist your your, yeah. your your you have to just very quickly change your business model. Yeah, because the whole everything went bananas. Yeah, you know, yeah. like. What are we going to do? Hold on a second. We, whatever we can do, we will do. Yeah. So retail was okay. So we supplied retail. It was fine. 
the visitor center was actually t- we do retail there yeah we couldn't do experiences but people could come and buy a salmon and then of course the uh, food service forget about that yeah and then the um the very valuable retail that we do in kind of around the world kind of thing. Yeah. oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah so that that kind of we pivoted basically and that um but the irish community realized you know somebody sent a basket to mm. somebody else and they said wow i love that i'd love to give a gift to you know oh it's my my granddad's birthday and i can't be there obviously yeah let's ship it to him or Brilliant. oh my granddaughter is you know it's her birthday and i loved it. or my sister or my mm. you know brother or my husband is in a different location i'll send it to him you know it, yeah. it's like it was like a jungle drums and mm-hmm. you know it just one and it kind of okay oh we need to go i, I had to drive down to st ola dubai oh actually i need a few more can do you have them <laughs> you know or to to burn gold delivered maybe from Malibu caves or sometimes i had to drive down there yeah. and get more cheeses this is you know so that was people really enjoyed that and people discovered yes they ship and not only in Ireland, but also we can send it to our people in the USA or in France or in Germany or wherever, Sweden even. I'm actually quite upset now that nobody <laughs> ever sent me one of those baskets, Brigitte. But, but, but we leave that. I have a blacklist I'm starting with. Um, tell me this, because you mentioned one crisis that the world has faced there now in COVID. Um, one of the things that has changed your business a little bit is the war that's happened in Ukraine. And you mentioned to me there that there are people who've come uh, to Liston Varan to County Clare, and some of those people are now working for you at the Burren Smokehouse and with the experiences. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. So we basically, I was actually in Stockholm, not too far away from where we're sitting now, yeah. when the war break out, broke out. I was here over the weekend, came back to Liston Varna. Monday and I say I don't know if it was that week or early the following week mm. there were people walking around Listenvana and I kind of knew they they're not are, from around here no. they, yeah and they were from Ukraine I mean like the war suddenly came to Listenvana in a way like you know yeah. it's over there you look at the television and suddenly the Ukrainian community comes to Listenvana yeah and so because Listenvana has a lot of hotels uh, we are actually housing, and what we started off, and we're continuing that numbers, which is badly needed, mm. obviously, um, a thousand Ukrainian uh, refugees in Ireland. How, how many people? Sorry, were sorry, in Listenvana, in Listenvana, yeah. in, in total in Ireland, I believe it is eighty thousand, and yeah. I think it's going to grow to a hundred thousand. How many people were living in Listenvana at that point? Uh, about four hundred, maybe. 300, 400. Well, it depends on how you count, you know, the people yeah. around. Or in the, the, in the parish. Like, yeah. The actual list in Varna, I'd say you're talking about 300. And all of a sudden there's a thousand yes, people from Ukraine yes. there. And, and initially it, it wasn't, you know, it didn't feel as if we were like... Uh, people were kept a lot inside, you know. Yeah. They were walking around a bit. The, the only thing, though, the post office, oh my God, she nearly, she had a fit. <laughs> because suddenly there was like... A, a, I mean, hundreds of meters of a queue yeah. for people to try to get their weekly money. Yeah. The po- the, the, the oh, of course, the, yeah, yeah. The, the, the payments from... The schools were yeah. like, oh my God, how are we going to fit in those people? Yeah. Uh, you know, and the children. And the not only that, the doctor, local GP, yeah. he was tearing his hair out. But that took a little while. And now, it's, it's you down. know, they put it into, they kind of they spread it out and... 
other people people had to go to maybe a different doctor or GP the next town over kind of thing you know thing. The, yeah. it, it took a little while before the organization levels mm. happened but i was very impressed how we also have like we have a hundred um asylum seekers mm-hmm. and they had they, we've had the hundred asylum seekers came maybe a year or two before that yeah so it wasn't kind of completely new to the Listenvana community mm. to open up their arms. And initially, when the um, asylum seekers came, it was difficult. Yeah. So people were worried. But then they realized, no, it's actually okay. It's yeah. fine. It's not going to, it, it isn't affecting us. Now, with the thousand Ukrainian community, Seven of them are working with me. They're middle-aged women, really good workers, and they fulfilled a very, you know, an empty space, yeah. which I needed people in, um, in production. And because, yeah, it has been, after COVID, it was difficult to find people for certain positions. So would some of your workers uh, who were there with you before COVID, would they have gone back oh, no, to Dublin well, or Poland or somewhere uh, like that? Or no. You didn't no, lose no, that money, actually, no? I, I, the core, you see, I shrunk yeah. a bit during COVID. And the people that I had were, like some of them have been with me for 25 years. They're yeah. Lisnamvana people or Doolin people or, um, no, no, it's mainly Lisnamvana or resident of Lisnamvana. So I have a German lady, Karin, she works there. She's res- she lives in Lisnamvana and walks to work, you know. So she, she sounds like another one who arrived for the festival in the 80s and never went home. Yeah, in around that. <laughs> Same as myself. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, but, but I mean, so it is valuable at the, right now um, that they fulfilled that empty space for me. Hmm. Now, a thousand people is a lot of people. And you, you can see there's actually waves of different people coming in. So I think it has been previously mainly women and children and yeah. some men. But there's new waves of people coming in, and I think there's more men coming yeah. in. So you know, it, it, we're we're managing, yeah. but it ha- of course it has affected you know the County Clare particularly, and a certain amount of the West Coast by the fact that the all the hotels that used to house tourism, yeah. tourists from other countries cannot find accommodation there. So it does affect. There may be more people coming from Dublin day tripping yeah yeah because they can't or, find somewhere to stay or whatever you know yeah. wherever they can get hold of some accommodation so it has affected and it has affected not so much the smokehouse but probably more the roadside tavern because people you know people can't you can't stay you're not staying there so you have to drive home so therefore you're not going to stay you come in for food but it mightn't have so many drinks yeah or any and also you know the we have a large space that we could, where the idea was that could be used for weddings and and it, it has to be local people because people can't, there, there's very little accommodation available in Distanvana. They could stay in Falls Hotel yeah. and come up for the wedding to the, as a wedding venue. Yeah. But I suppose people prefer to have, be, have the wedding. If you have the convenience the, You know, of you're that, walking like, yeah. into your accommodation or, you yeah. know. You don't want to be driving on a day no, like that, no, you know, no, messing no. Like around. Hotel, you know. hotel Doolin is doing that very well. And yeah. Falls Hotel, are, they both have great wedding business and they're doing that very well. Yeah. So, you know, but I, so it has affected and it has affected certain areas of the West Coast where there is, yeah, less. 
Yeah, the less opportunities kind of yeah. thing. Right, you know? yeah. How was the language issue? Because I, I found, I've, I've been in Ukraine, I've worked there, it's, it's a lovely place, lovely people and that kind yeah. of thing. But, but I always found uh, that when you get outside the big cities, you yeah. struggle with the language no. and that kind of thing. So well, has it been difficult to communicate yes, with people? Yeah, it has. So basically we have one lady that is, you know, they all have a bits of... English, but it's one lady that translates to everybody. She's good. She did. She studied English in university. Very good. So she's the one. Yeah. And you see, they live together in the Ukrainian community. So mm. they don't really get a huge amount of opportunity yeah. to learn more English. Or maybe they're, you know, I can understand as well. If you come as a refugee and you really probably want to prefer if you could get back home. Yeah, yeah. And then your language is probably quite important to you. So yeah. it might be more difficult and, you know, to expand. You know, I suppose particularly, you know, the middle-aged, you know, mightn't really... Well, it's, they're it's not going to... You're probably not going to stay. You know, they, they, the younger generation, some of them will stay yeah, yeah. and be part of the community. But there's a lot of people that just want to get back. And maybe it's not the most important thing to yeah. learn English or maybe the capacity in there. I'm sure it's stressful. It's difficult as know, an older is person, difficult. isn't it? There's you know? no doubt. Like, I find it difficult to watch what's going on in the Ukraine. Yeah. Do you think that they would... Exactly, watching this know, every night. It's a very depressing. And then th- there's news. a comfort as well, and this is something that we've seen in Irish communities around the world, there's a comfort in being with your own as well, you know. On that very subject, you seem to me to be somebody who is very, very comfortable in Listoon Varna and in Doolan and on the west coast of Ireland and in Clare in general. Do you ever sort of seek out the company of other Swedish-Irish people? Is or oh, yeah. You do, do you? I do. I do. You know, I mean, I am very comfortable and I do love the Irish community. I love the kind of the communication I love learning more Irish words and even I'd love to go and do proper course in Irish 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 Asgaelga yeah I've learned a few couple of focal 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 that's very good that's more than most people listen to this podcast (laughs) and manage I can tell you (laughs) anyway so but I I do of course we have I haven't done it now I didn't like COVID hit it a bit but before that every Christmas yeah in around Santa Lucia, yeah. I had Santa Lucia in our pub and people would come. It would be more the kind of Galway and Clare, Swedish-Irish. Yeah. So you would have, most of the time it's a, a, a female that is the Swedish partner. But we have also from, you know, from Galway, they would, um, there's some men, you know, that would be the Swedish partner and the... Fellows who ended up working for Ericsson and Athenry or whatever at home. You know, but we had, it was kind of a, I think we turned into kind of 30 people, kind of 30, 35 people that had a fabulous party. We did everything. That was like kind of Swedish Christmas. So we had the Tomten, we had the uh, smorgasbord, we had the um, The dancing around the Christmas tree. Oh, Jesus. And Santa Lucia, of course, (laughs) Santa Lucia. All on the one day. All in one day. So what takes two months in Sweden, all in one day, one afternoon. (laughs) And I've done the Swedish Christmas. That's it then. (laughs) Then I do the, you know, I would have done the turkey and the ham and the, you know, for Christmas Day, you know, I I do the Irish, we did the Irish bit in in our family, you know. Brilliant. So, you know, you kind of, but I would, yeah, of course I do. Um, And I would have been part of the Irish-Swedish Chamber of Commerce, Mm -hmm. which is both Irish businesses and Swedish businesses and... I love coming over to Sweden. You know, mm. I kind of I'm trying to get kind of the three times a year. So the spring, I have to be 
for summer at least two weeks yeah you know which is kind of as much as i can take as long as you can be away kind of thing you know yeah, like yeah. late august you can squeeze in a few couple of weeks but i've said to, like if i'm not if i cannot be in sweden in summertime for two weeks then i might as well close down the shop you know like, yeah because it's, there's no it's point to do it, it. No. you know it's not worth it <laughs> but then I've, I've actually yeah managed and i think i'll do more kind of now mm. you know november is good you can do christmas shopping and get some yeah yeah Gravios and whatever it is, you yeah. know, and the candles and you know the whatever. It is because all, all, these all the good stuff is in the shops now, isn't it? it? Yeah. Christmas, you know, pepper cocker and this yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, pepper cocker. You know? And then springtime is good because it's a little bit quieter. So mm. February is good. So kind of, yeah. Mm. So I do, of course. I see. I mean, it is my, it is my where I was born. Yeah. Okay, I spent, I suppose I was up to like twenty. Yeah. In Sweden, and then I've been coming and go. Every year I come back. Yeah. Every year I've come for summertime with my children. So they speak Swedish. Mm. They have got you know. For me, it was very important to infuse them with my Swedish culture. Yeah. But you know, I like equally. I could not leave the barn and Glistenvarna and my house and our community. I couldn't yeah. leave it. You know, I need both. Yeah. I wouldn't like to have. One or another. No, I need both. I mean, you've spent more than half your life there at this stage. Like, Absolutely. You know? Sure, 40 years. 40, like, 40 years. I know. God, I'm worried. I, I know. And I feel like how, I know, long are, how long are you in Sweden? I'm, I'm here 24 years well, there this year. Yeah, so like, like, it will soon be half my life here as yeah. well, you know. Yeah. Um, one of the things that makes me most proud when I see you on Facebook and on social media is that you spend a lot of time representing both Ireland and Sweden abroad. It's often to do with board Bia or with Tourism Ireland. And that's actually what had you in Stockholm. And when I saw you were here, I was going, okay, we have to rope you down here. Um, how important is it for you and for your business to be sort of seen in those uh, contexts of that is it very important to you it is absolutely central i mean the, you see it's incredible support yeah. it's an unbelievable support that we get from falch ireland from tourism ireland in like falch ireland and helped me to build my products mm. tourism ireland i've now been out meeting potential customers yeah and the support they give is fantastic, you know, and then you have the St. Patrick's Day, the Puka Festival, like we, tourism in Ireland is massive and mm. it's a very, very important part for Irish, um, the Irish community, but also for, for, for business, for, for, for the Irish economy, hugely important. Yeah. Equally, Bordbia is my other part of my business yeah, yeah. where it's selling abroad. Uh, I mean, the things, the supports that I've got, and it's not always... It wouldn't necessarily be actually both Tourism Island and Bordbia. I do get a marketing grant from from Bordbia, which is very very valuable. Um, but it can it's more kind of supports of creating events or mm. learning. Uh, there's a huge amount of learning. Uh, they give courses in different things, both in mainly in Dublin, Bordbia, understanding whether it's social media or how to talk to a buyer or, mm. you know, and it's very similar in Tourism Ireland. It's workshops. It's, yeah. they bring buyers to us. They bring media to us. They, you know, I, I, I was on the John Road, uh, John Road's Ireland, which was extremely, that was brought to me. Yeah. Okay. He had something he wanted to have, you know, a certain, it was food and it was yeah. that and the other and, and, possibly couples that are involved in food and arts and producers. Mm. So he had an, uh, you know, an agenda. But then Tourism Ireland supported him financially yeah. to go and film around Ireland so that people can see, wow, this is a great spot to be. 
and come and visit us. And I mean, that John Tarod was such an incredible uh, success. My sister, who lives in Tasmania, have seen that series twice. Good Lord. In RTE, actually before it came on RTE. RTE was this autumn, I think, and or the summer, during the summer. And I think it has rerun. My husband, Peter, was te- like, I was at home like, less than a week ago. He said, come here, come here, come here. Uh, it's on Quest. I mean, I haven't ever, I don't know. I don't even Quest know what is. that channel is. I haven't, like. a, I haven't <laughs> a notion. I don't have time to watch it. But he told me, here, it's on now on Quest. Yeah. So, you know, the value... You cannot buy that kind of, you know, this is not an advertisement. This is somebody who goes out and films real people. It's different, isn't it? And, you know, of course I want to. I mean, I see programs like River Cottage, whatever. I want to go and visit Mm. these people because I'm into food. I'm into experience. I'm into traveling. I love Mm. traveling. I love experiences, food in other places. Yeah. And that's what Tourism Ireland does. Bodbia would be supports in all kinds of ways again meeting buyers they would look after if there's a trade fair mm-hmm. you can they they build the stand and yeah. you pay a small amount to be on that stand but you couldn't buy the stand yourself because it's going to cost far too much yeah, yeah. So you might, might be there with like uh, team ireland so you might be 10 producers of various kinds yeah. and you test the market and it might be for you and if it's really good you come back next year or the next year so yeah. that could be I mean I went to Biofach in Germany which is an organic fair because we have organic salmon mm. I tried that for a bit and then you can go like other people maybe big businesses would go to Seal which is a big trade fair in 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 France is probably a bit big for me yeah I've been you know I go over to the uh Irish Embassy in London. Yeah. Every year before Christmas is a trade reception where they bring in buyers and yeah. they bring in producers. And we meet on a kind of convivial way. Yeah. So you kind of have a chat and you you know, businesses is done like that. Yeah, yeah. Where you have a chat and you meet the people and businesses can be done through, you know, of course emails and yeah, but you know face but to it's, face. It's, it's a different you know. thing when you actually meet the people. Mm understand what they want and what they need and mm. it might not work you know it mightn't be it can't mightn't be a win-win yeah. but there are win-win you won't know that is a win-win situation until you do until it. you're there in the middle and, of it yeah. you know like i mean then i went like this autumn i've been quite busy i went to canada with something called census of ireland that tourism ireland uh, organized i paid for my uh Air flight, air flight, my airfares. I paid for my accommodation, but they organized so that I would meet potential buyers. Yeah, it was brilliant. And then there was another. We were a gang of seven producers of different things, so we networked together. And that brilliant. networking is equally really important. I went to US last Friday. I was in New York City, and among there was what we call a DMC. These are the people that. On the ground, uh, you know, I would say to somebody, oh, you should come and visit me or send your customers to me because mm. if they come to Ireland, they want to do a, a week. Yeah. And so a person in the US would say, oh, I think you should do this and you should do that. And I met this person and it looks really interesting. I think it'd be good for you. Yeah. And then they go to DMC. They, I can't, I don't know what it stands for. But anyway, they mm. would say, okay, what do you want to stay? How much do you want to pay? Mm. We'll organize accommodation here, there, and then we book the experiences for you or for your, you know, and we do all that. And yeah. here's the package. And the travel advisors, as they are, say, okay, 
to the client, here's the package. Yeah. And they probably add on a bit, obviously. Yeah. You know, but so that's the kind of thing. So for me to meet the a travel advisor to say, this is great. Look at this. Yeah, you yeah. Know, this, you really should come to be a really like, yeah. amazing experience mm. when you come to Cliffs and Moher or you stay in this and that in the hotel. Mm. So we have, there was, you know, three of the people that do that groundwork and put the packages together. We met, all, all of us met the travel advisor. And then there was also other producers. So there was hoteliers like mm. Ashwood Castle. Yeah. Which I work a lot with. You top, know, like, top so for me, like, yeah. to meet... Ashford Castle out and about on yeah. a more kind of again that convivial you know, and in that not context, all business like, business business yeah yeah and networking it just you can't beat net networking is so even the way we are networking here and I've been we, for years didn't we meet like you know uh, at, at one of these events like a few you know like but it, it just networking do, do you know what so the, the original network seems to have been when Peter Coton offered to buy you a drink that time <laughs> all those years ago <laughs> After him doing that all those years ago, it's just, I've never met Peter, actually. I must oh, you'll have to come. Hey, there's an open invitation now, Philip. We, there, there we'll, we'll, we'll do the Ultralux VIP experience This is it. So the next time we do this podcast. Tavern and the Burn Smokehouse. That, that and is booked in. Yeah, booked in for next yards. summer. The GoPro camera, the whole lot and is going to be And bring the family. There. And the family and the and whole lot. And bring the right? family. My God, I'll have to get one of the girls married off or something like that. <laughs> What is in the future for you now? Because as you mentioned, we're coming out of COVID. We're living in a world that doesn't know what it's doing with itself. Uh, are you positive? Do you, you know the way sometimes when you get to the age we're at now and you're looking like, I'm okay now. The business is ticking away now. The family are growing Sorry. up. But that kind of thing. No, Not no, going to happen. No, no, Not no, 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 no. You see, you have to constantly, you know. Reinvent yourself. Yeah. And it's, you have to in mm-hmm. order to stay afloat. Yeah. You cannot rest on your laurels. You have to come up with new ideas, do more understanding, learn more, and also find people that you can work together with that will bring you further, you know, mm. get the consultants in or to make, to understand about things that you need information, more information about. So you mm. ask the consultants, what do you think I should do here? And you see, we're faced here now with 1st of January, uh, 2024, like our minimum wage which I don't pay everybody some people might be on but you know it's going up 12% mm. and you know it's not only for my company that's for so everybody so everything yeah. is going to go up in price so I need to make sure that whatever you know increase my prices without being too expensive mm. to kind of do it in a gentle way and maybe here and there whatever but I mean I'm going to get price increases from mm-hmm. other people. Should we see who that is? Yes, yeah, so, so you're going to have to reduce your price, or sorry, increase what you're paying to people, or you're going to have to reduce your margins. Yes. Or you yeah, well, I mean, have to you let can't somebody really. go. I don't, or, I don't you know. think it's kind of, uh, yeah, I don't know, swings and roundabouts, I think, you know, we'll have to, but I believe, I, I think, I think there is huge potential for uh, business. I think there is, but you have to find it in the right ways and the right uh, business mix in what you're doing. Because there's no, I mean, in some parts of my business, I would not be able to put in 12%. It's just not going to work. You know, it's not going to. So it's kind of this, that and the other. And, Mm. you know, then you also have to increase volume. You know, that's another thing. You know, okay, your margins are smaller, but you have to get somewhere. So you then The money has to come from somewhere. Yeah, yeah. You know, or come up with completely new products mm. that's another thing but you know 
new products that are in a different space. Yeah, yeah. So that you're not cannibalizing your own business and no, this kind of thing. No, and Just that's why you need new. to be creative. Yeah, right? well, there's no better woman. It's, that's how we have survived <laughs> the 35 years. We'll, soon we'll be in business in May 2024. We'll be 35 years in business. And that's how we survived because we kind of, you kind of have to constantly reinvent yourself. Yeah, you yeah. Want, and then also see the empty spaces, the opportunities and go for them. Because yeah. otherwise you're dead. <laughs> oh, that's it. And it's not an option. Or if you stand still, you're you gone. You just like. have to keep, you know, but when you're in business, you just have to keep at it and you have to keep thinking. You have to reinvent yourself yeah. all the time. The whole time. Yeah. Would Peter Kurt never live in Sweden? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Shortest answer I've ever had to that question. It's just not going to happen. No, no. no. Does no. he come over he will, here? He, he, he'll visit, but he won't live. He won't live here at no, all, though. He's no, happy no, enough no, where no. he is. Yes. Is he like you? Because I, get, I always got the impression that, he, you know, that the two of you are quite different, but complemented each other. Yes. You know, does he yes. like traveling? Does he like any of that kind of thing? Yeah, there? yeah. Because you seem you to know, do most of it. You're the um, face of the business. I don't really. think he likes traveling as much as I do. Yeah. And I mean, I am nine years younger than him. And he is, you know, he's a... It's not always, but it can be an absolute rock to me, yeah. you know, and we are very different, but we are also very similar. And then we're, we have complementary, I'm kind of more kind of slightly more managerial kind of qualities. Yeah. And, but he's, he, he's special. He's special. He, he's, he's very unique. And we were all unique. We were yeah. all unique. But kind of, he comes from a different era as well. I mean, he was born in, in the fifties. Yeah. And... That was a different country. You know, in, in 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 special circumstances, what what we do, I think, our common ground is loving nature, mm. loving to be out in nature, walking, uh, swimming, maybe going snorkeling, and outdoor life, and bit of crack. He's he's he, you know, bit of fun and certain amount of you know. We have to have a bit of laugh in yeah. life, and that's he certainly is. He enjoys he, that. Yeah, you yeah. know, he enjoys that, but it also makes me laugh. Do you would, know? Would you? Like, which I wish I do need to do in buckets. I, I tell you, you know, when you're like, under that pressure, otherwise you again, you 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 go mad stand, altogether. Yeah, wouldn't you, you know? exactly. Would you ever like to live in Sweden again? Um, I could spend more time in Sweden. I could, you know, but I wouldn't. I would not. I would miss the barn. You know, so 50-50 maybe, 60-40. Mm. I don't know. It's a hard maybe in question. the future, maybe, no, 50-50, I think. Maybe, maybe. It depends on, you see, I have a grandchild now, so it depends on, like, also, That's a game changer, isn't it? Yeah, and they live beside us in, in Lisnavana. They live yeah. in Doolan. So, yeah. like, my my new daughter-in-law and my son, eldest son, who's 35 and is a vet and lives in the area, and then my grandchild, who's two. And, you know... Yeah. It so it. I don't know. I don't know. It's a very difficult question. Time will tell, but I I would actually I think I would, you know, I'd be a bit more maybe we're talking about more months in Sweden somehow, but then I have to, you know, I have to build my business. I still need to build my business. So maybe it's kind of futuristically more but I wouldn't mind a few more months. The, su- the summer months in particular, I think, is yeah. a good idea. Yeah, it? yeah. I'll tell you what, we'll park that discussion and we'll take it up again now in the Burren Smokehouse yes, next yes, year. Yes, indeed. For the anniversary. Brigitte, thanks so much for coming <laughs> down and talking to me. Well, it was lovely meeting you, Philip. Fantastic. Really loved this. Thank you so much for inviting me. I, it's an honour to be here. Do you know what? Thank the the honour is all mine. <laughs> 
better, doesn't the time fly when you're having fun all together? We're at the end of the week's podcast already. It feels like we're only getting going, but that was great crack altogether. Huge thanks to uh, to Dern for talking to me and for Begita for coming by uh, when she was visiting in Stockholm and that, and for Aaron for his business shout out and that kind of thing. If you want to support this podcast, please go to patreon.com forward slash arrowman in Stockholm and throw in a fiver a month. Long time since anybody took me up on that offer. It remains a tremendous offer, it has to be said, and it will make you more handsome and more intelligent and more likeable to whoever it is you're trying to impress. Uh, you can also swish a few bob to one two three two four two four one six six. That's one two three two four two four one six six at Aaron Kennedy at Aaron Kennedy Performance. If you don't mind, on Instagram is where you will find him. Uh, big thanks to our friends from the Irish Chamber of Commerce in Sweden. Don't forget their event on the second of December. There's going to be a lot of interesting people there, right? And it's not just for you know the the, sort of the suit and tie brigade. This is for all sorts of businesses. So if you're an artisan producer that kind of thing you might be interested in getting down there as well God only knows who you'll meet and what they'll be able to do for you and also a big thanks uh, to Martin Hessian at Veerstrom's Pub who has been supporting this podcast pretty much from day one and I'm very grateful to him for doing that if you can't support the podcast that's absolutely grand it will always be free uh, as will the other podcasts that I do uh, the Global Gale and that kind of thing there was a great one came out there the other week with a chap that I grew up with in Dublin and uh, about his career in music Keith Walker from Walkinstown um, but if you can't support the podcast please do share them right so if you're working somewhere maybe you might be at the, the one of the international English schools uh, share it in the staff room tell people that you were listening to me that you heard me talking to you know poets and, and writers and uh, uh, the owner the Swedish owner of a smokehouse in the Burren and oh Jesus there's any amount of podcasts there because the more uh, you can help me to reach the Irish community around Sweden the easier it will make it uh, this to, to have, make this podcast sustainable you know to, to keep it growing and that kind of thing because it does come and go and it's there's a lot of work goes into it so I really appreciate that and of course patreon.com Ironman in Stockholm if you can't support it listen I shall leave you for this week there's a whole bunch of things coming up it's actually going to be at the stage now soon enough where I'm going to have to start dropping two podcasts a week because there's actually that much going on at the moment and maybe we'll take a break over Christmas but that remains to be seen in the meantime boys and girls take care of these ourselves take care of one another and I will be back again next week if not before with another episode of the Irish in Sweden podcast thanks for listening good luck mm-hmm.